Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I just want to read this out, just a testimony of an email I got today through someone that comes to the rocks. He says, hi, Greg, I just want to say how my life has been completely turned around going back maybe for the past two years. I can tell because my financial situation has completely reversed from what it used to be and had been for many years so bad that it was like I was working for nothing. So I think the change has been through constant prayer, faith, and what's happening at the rock because what's happening at the rock is really working for me. And God has helped me all the way even for accommodation. He knows my needs in my heart and he really does answer prayer. I'm just so grateful and just wanted to share that. Also going to the Arrives Conference has helped me open my eyes a lot. It is really real. Being able to walk in the reality is amazing that's found in Christ. Thank you, Father. I thank you for living testimony. I thank you that you're changing lives. Lives of people who pray, who have faith, who believe. And I pray tonight, God, tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night and then Sunday morning and then Monday morning and Tuesday morning we'd be people who pray. We'd be people of faith. We'd be people who believe in you. And so, Father, I just ask that we would position ourselves to receive more and more of you tonight through the power of your living word. Thank you for what you're going to do here, Father, in and through us. Thank you for the changes that are going to happen. Thank you for the relationships with you that will be established. We ask for the fullness of what you have in store for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome, guys, again. You know, I was just thinking, really, thanks, guys. Thanks, Jaden and, and Clay and Russell and Kirk. Russell, when are we going to see you on Sunday, brother? Hey, giving it a whirl. Just bring it out and surprise everyone. Play, play from where you are in the congregation. That'll freak everyone out. But, um... You know, I've just been thinking that really what, what we put in is what we get out. And you'll receive as much as you want to put in over the next 24 hours. If you've come to be entertained or you've come to just be a spectator, you'll probably get a spectator's reward. But if you come to engage, if you come to participate, if you come to be part of and engage in the process, you'll get a participant's reward. And so it's really up to us, I believe, to the amount that God will give. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 that now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or think according to the power that works within us. So according to the power, the faith, the belief that's in us moves God's hand. God is capable, as we know, of breathing everything into being. But he looks and he wants to partner and he says, I wonder, I wonder if my people will ask and pray according to the power that's at work within them. And so I want to encourage us, guys, I want to encourage us to participate. We've already started, man, that was amazing noise. And and we probably say this every time we get away, but I don't know why it is, but we tend to engage more here than on Sunday. You know, to hear 50, 60 guys singing like that, I tell you, God would turn up. The woman would be on fire. And I just want to encourage you, you know, I don't want us to manufacture anything. I don't want us to, you know, just, oh, he said that's sweet. No, 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 just allow what's happening on the weekend. Come, come with this heart of anticipation. Come to engage. And I, I believe and know God will, God will respond because I love this phrase and I've been using this. Uh, probably a little bit more while I've been speaking out of town, that God wants to wrestle with us. And I believe God wants to wrestle with us tonight. Anyone here love wrestling? You know, at the gym, uh, training in that, and, and there's that UFC. Anyone see that UFC cage fighting thing? Oh, I can't stand it. It makes me sick. 
but it's in the German, and it's just so brutal. And, uh, you know, I had to look up, and there's this guy's wrestling. This guy's got this guy in a headlock, and he's got him in his arm. He's about to snap his arm, and he taps out. And I thought, man, I thought, you know, but God wants to wrestle. God wants to pin us down. God wants to get us in a headlock. And so, look, there's so much that I have in store. There's so much, you know, there's so much he has in store for us. And he longs to see who wants what he has for us as his sons. Who's a, who's a father here? How many of us want to give the very best we can give to our children? And he's no different. And the things that he wants to show and reveal about himself, his ways is phenomenal. And it's not just here on earth, it's in the future. But he longs to see who will come and sit at his feet. He longs to see how many men will be like Mary. Not how many men are like Martha. You could have put Bob and Harry in that situation, couldn't you? So how many of us men are going to be like Mary and not Martha? Because Jesus says about Martha, he invited her to come and sit, but he said, you're anxious about many things. You're worrying about many things because you're always worrying around about you, basically. And see, when our focus is on us, we worry about many things. When our focus is on Christ, we enter into rest. And we're able to sit, be still, and know. Know and be still. And I would encourage us to be Mary's over the next 24 hours and beyond. Because the Father has so much for now and for the future. But he wants to wrestle with us. And uh, Jacob wrestled with God, didn't he? And Jacob left altered. Do you want to leave altered? As we know, God hit him on the hip, the angel hit him on the hip, and he, and he, and he moved, and now he, he walked with a limp. But he also got a new name. I find that phenomenal. He also gave Peter a new name when he met him. You're no longer Simon, you're Peter. See, identity, stuff of the past can be tangled in names. I believe Jesus wants to come and give us a new name, give us an identity. It's not new. It's who we're always called to be. We just don't know it. There are things he has for us that we just don't know yet because we're not at his feet. We're not taking the time to ask, seek, and knock because we're too busy. We're too busy being married and all the pressures that come with that. We're too busy with kids and all the pressures. Look, trust me, I know sport, guitar lessons, gymnastics, hanging out down at the park with the dog, and you got work, and you got sport, and these guys ask you to get up early and pray, and I know, it's heaps on. We have to reorder our lives, seek first two things. One of them we're going to look at, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. So may that be the first thing you do. Before you do anything, seek first my kingdom. Seek first my righteousness. And guess what? Life will all fall in alignment. See, the problem is that we try and fix it all before we do those things, don't we? We think we're just going to, it's all right, I've got, you know, next three months I'm going to fix it all, going to make it, and then I'll get to. Do you know what you never get to? Anyone found that? It's another three months. It's another three months. Good buddy of mine, Eric Thompson, he was going to come tonight, but... A couple of things happened he couldn't. He's a very busy guy. He owns his own business. They are doing exceptionally well, um, data cabling business. And if there's anyone that's busy, it's Eric. And God said to him about a year ago, he said, Eric, I want, to give, I want you to give me half an hour out of your day. Eric said, I haven't got even five minutes out of my day. He said, give me half an hour. Have they had a discussion? Eric calls it an argument. <laughs> Lord, I, I literally haven't even got, God's got four kids, he's got ten dogs, ten chickens, ten of everything. If you know Eric, he's, you know, he's full on, he's flying all around the country, he's been overseas with his business, business is doing incredibly well. Eric helps support Cambodia. He funds a massive amount of money in there and God said, give me half an hour. He said, I haven't got half an hour, give me half an hour, I haven't got half an hour, give me half an hour. So he surrendered his will and put it in. And he'll tell you himself, he doesn't know how it happens, but his business has come into an alignment. He now spends two hours, two and a half hours a day with the Lord between eight and five. 
And somehow God has reordered the steps and everything happens. He doesn't know how it happens. He just knows it happens. So I want to encourage you. Don't try and figure it out. Don't try and wait till you just oh, get to that. Let go and let God and see what happens. And I promise you it'll astound you. You've heard I shared about two weeks ago. I don't, I don't know how this happens. I don't know how my wife finishes work and we have more money than what we had before she left work and we're paying bills because it really shouldn't work because when I look at the expenses and I look at the income, we've got more expenses than income. So in the logical, in the natural, the balance sheet doesn't add up. They don't call that very good governance in the church. <laughs> I call it faith. And that's what good governance is, faith. I don't respond to the natural. If I hear the voice of God and God says move, I move by faith. The righteous men live by the natural? No. Faith. The logical? No. Faith. Nothing logical from a worldly perspective about following Jesus, is it? But there's so much logic when you're in the kingdom with him, following him. You know, like, well, that's all right. We've got a few fish, got a few loaves, 15,000 people, not a problem. But the natural went send them away. The natural, the faithless, the unbelief went send them away. We need to rally round, have a bit of a whip round. We need to, you know, do a bit of busking to earn some money so we can feed these guys. No, no, we've got enough. Why? Because we follow and are in love with the God of abundance. When we do things his way, not our way, his way. And um, so he's going to wrestle. He wants to wrestle. He wants to pin us down in love with his weight and go, i got some things. And so what I want to do just real quick is just turn to the guy beside you. You might even know him. Introduce yourself and just pray for one another for a minute about one thing that you want God to do for you this weekend. Is that cool? So let's go. Tim, beside you. If you haven't got someone, if it's an odd number, just maybe be three. Let's just real fast, real quick. Father, I thank you that you hear, you hear prayers that are aligned to you. You hear, Father, and you'll respond because you're a faithful God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being so faithful. Thank you, Lord. Amen. How many of us pray the All Blacks will win the World Cup? Habakkuk 2 verse 4, if you're taking notes, uh, this will be recorded as well, so we're going to record it and put it up on the website as normal. But Habakkuk 2 verse 4 says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by faith. As for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. You know, pride cannot really exist in following Christ. Christ wants to wean out through his word, his spirit, his truth coming within us, pride. Pride destroys things. And pride blocks things. And pride gets in the way of what he wants to do in and through us. Humility releases things. Pride blocks things. Pride is from the kingdom of darkness. And this tells me that the man that's proud of heart, the man that thinks he knows all that, the man that says, I don't need help, the man that tries to do it on his own, the man that thinks he has God in a box, the man that thinks he knows everything and you can't teach me anything, that man's in trouble. The Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Think about that, poor in spirit, not proud in spirit, poor in spirit. Blessed is the man who knows 
where he's come from. Blessed is the man who knows without Christ he is nothing. Blessed is the man who knows he is evil in heart. Blessed is the man that knows that his iniquity and his sin is what separates him and there is no good in him because that's the man that truly can receive Christ for who he is and understands the love of the Father. And we all have to find this place. We all have to find this place in the Spirit because the problem is probably none of us think we've got any pride left in us. The reality is that we really probably none of us recognize our true state, the state that God sees. And we can only recognize it when God opens our eyes and shows us. And then you get a rude awakening, eh, Chris? <laughs> I thought I was somebody. I thought you were getting an awesome catch, Lord, when you got this cat. All those other fellas out there go, no, this, you know. It's a blessing for God to show you your true state. It's an absolute blessing for him to show you and your true state. And it's an absolute blessing to show you how then he sees you. But this tells me that the man who is proud within, not going to go too far with God, not going to be able to hear things, receive things, but the righteous will live by faith. Romans 1, 16, 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Are we ashamed of the gospel, guys? Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed. Why is he not ashamed? Because he knows. He knows who he was and he knows who he is and he knows what made the difference. See, when you know who you are without him and then he shows you that and then he shows you who you are with him, I'm not ashamed, man. I was a plonker before, and I'm proud to admit it now. It's funny, isn't it? So I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For why? Because it's the power of God. This whole message of death and resurrection is the power of God. It's where transformation and change happens. Not through my ability, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of God's living word. So I'm not ashamed of it because I know it's where the power to live this life is found and continue to be found. For the word of, cross is full, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Why do we need God's power? We need his power operating within us to live this life. That's why Jesus said, I'm going to clothe you with power. Without the power, we're trying to do it through our own strength, aren't we? And we're not getting too far, are we? You get frustrated. It's just all too hard. And you probably give up. That's why Paul knew. He said, it's the power, the power in me. And that must be revealed from within through the Spirit of God. He says, it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. There it is again. Galatians 3.11. Now that no one, sorry, uh, now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident. For the righteous man shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. If we shrink back from who we're called to become. If we shrink back because of fear. If we shrink back because of the size of the mountain. If we shrink back because of the size of the problem. That's not men of faith. That's not women of faith. And this is what really we're looking at this whole next 24 hours is what does it mean to be righteous? What does that mean to be righteous before him? And not just have a mental understanding of it, but have a heart revealed position on it. What does it mean? What is this faith that he talks about? Because you see it everywhere. You read about it everywhere. And Paul says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in a person. So I'm no longer living for me. I'm living by faith in a person. 
So I'm making decisions. I'm going to places through faith in a person, what a person says and who a person is. That's how I base my decisions. So we better know the person if we're going to live by faith. Amen. Otherwise, you're trusting in yourself. You're going nowhere. But he says the righteous shall live by faith. So that's what we want to look at. And then what is the outcome of a righteous person living by faith? There will be an outcome. We don't chase the outcome. We focus on the understanding, the revealed position of what it means to be righteous. What is this faith? So you almost go one plus one equals two. And the outcome is a person of righteousness. And we're going to look at what that is. If the righteous live by faith, then we all need to come into a living knowledge of what it means to be righteous and a living knowledge of what faith actually is because we are called to live by it. The outcome of this living knowledge being revealed in us will mean we'll be men of righteousness. If we fail to come into this transformative knowledge, then we will fall short of the men God wants us to be. Do you realize you can fall short of that? We can stay immature our whole lives if we choose. But God's looking for mature people. He has a purpose and a plan for his church. And he's looking for a mature people to fulfill those purposes and plans now and in the future. Like I've shared many times, I'm not going to give the car keys to my daughter at 16, 17, 18, 20, 25 if she is immature and irresponsible and will kill herself and other people. I'm just not going to do it. Why? Because I love her and I don't want her to hurt other people. But for the mature, a loving father wants to release. I want to release responsibility. I want to give responsibility. I give you 10 what have you done with it? Oh, I squandered it. I live for me. I did what I wanted with it. No, no, I gave it to you for a specific purpose to do something of my purpose and my plan and my will. And we have to wrestle with are we growing? Are we maturing? Are we any different than what we were the day we committed our life to Christ? Has anyone come up to us in 10, 20, 15, 25 years and said, you know what? You're different than what you were when you were then. Because, guys, we're called to be. The Bible says we're supposed to be going from glory to glory. We're supposed to be having Christ's life built and established within us more and more. Why, though, so then we are then able Christ in us, we demonstrate his life. Him in you enables you to love like him, yeah? So if you get offended, do you revile back or do you love like him? Your action or your behavior will tell you your level of maturity. So if you act like you used to act, then you ain't grown too much. And if you love like him, and that's the classic one when you get reviled, when someone comes at you and someone does something, especially when you're innocent, you've done nothing wrong, and you're accused. He says, can you love? So three questions we're going to unpack. What does it mean to be righteous? What is the faith that the righteous live by? And what is produced when the righteous live by faith? What does it mean to be righteous? It's tonight. What is this faith that the righteous live by? It's tomorrow morning. What is produced when the righteous live by faith? And there are three words that help define this for me. And the first one, if you're writing down, is belong. Belong. Do you know you belong to him? So you can put belong being righteous. Belong, believe, behave. 
If we know we're his true sons, then we'll believe, then our behavior will naturally align. You know what we do? We come in and we go, my behavior needs to change before we ever know we belong. And our focus comes on changing our behavior. If only I can do this. If only I can stop looking at pornography. If only I can stop drinking. If only I can stop smoking weed. If only I can stop looking at women. If only I can. If only I can. If only I can. And that takes you round and around and around and around. And you get nowhere apart from frustrated, disillusioned, and probably want to give up. But if you know you belong, and it's not dependent on your behavior, you see, it's dependent on his love because he makes you and I righteous by his love. Man, if it was about behavior, we're all in trouble. I'm putting the mic down right now and I'm going home. But when it's about belonging and you know his love covers and nothing can separate you, that's a different story. Now we're talking about a different picture. And I'm accepted for who I am? Yes, Greg. And I'm accepted for what I might do in the future? Yes, son. But, Lord, I want to change because I've revealed position of what it means to be righteous, what it means for the blood to cover me. And now, Lord, what is what is your will? I want to believe I'm moving forward by faith. And all of a sudden, your behavior naturally aligns. Anyone found that? I don't struggle with whatever that was, but my focus wasn't trying to change it. It started because I realized who he is and who I am in him. Our iniquity and sin, which causes behavior patterns, doesn't disqualify us from belonging because he qualifies us by his love. God adopts us as his sons in our current state and continues to. I haven't quite figured out this love yet to the fullness of it. I know I haven't found it in a person. I've only ever found it in him. And the more, guys, the more he reveals it in us, the more we will lay down our lives. It is the answer for laying one's life down is the love of the Father. Paul discovered it. The power leads you into it because that's what Ephesians 3 is all about. Paul's praying that we would be strengthened from within through the power of God. Why? It says so that you would be you would be able to comprehend with all the saints how high, how wide, how deep is the love of God which surpasses understanding. And then it says what I preached before, Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do a measure more than we ask or think according to the power that's working here. So the power of God, which is Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 1, 22, opens up this realm of the Spirit. Starts at knowing we belong. Revelation is a game changer. The revelation of being righteous. Just come with me to Galatians 4, 6 and 7. This is all about sonship. How many of us know we're sons? How many of us are living in the fullness of what that possibly is tonight? How many of us want to live more, to understand the blood that covered you and you are a son? Jesus was the son, wasn't he? And the same spirit that was on him is on us which means we have been brought into, chosen, and we're going to look at adopted. So people that adopt children choose their children, don't they? There's an act of choice of will to adopt a child. People have children today who don't want them. But someone who adopts chooses. And God has chosen 
you and I. Think about that. And before you ever breathed your first breath, you were chosen. Before the foundations of the world, you were chosen. So do you think you're an accident? Do you think it matters that you live your life to the fullest in him? If you were chosen before you ever existed and you didn't even choose to get here on your own, I think he loves you. I think he's covered you. I think he's made you righteous because he knew your state. Why? Because he has so much in store for sons now and the future. So he says this in Galatians 4, 6, and 7. If I can read it. I've got my glasses on. Because you are sons. Say you are sons. Say I'm a son. I'm a son of the living king. Man. Because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. No longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Not an ear, but an ear. Although the Bible describes some of our ears and feet and ears. I love this. You are no longer a slave. We just sung about freedom. I think it's criminal to know you're a son, but to live as a slave. It's fully possible to acknowledge with your words and in your mind, yes, I am a son, but then in your heart, live as a slave. Because belief is in the heart, understanding is in the heart. And so our heart position and our words don't align so yeah, we're sons, but then I think like a slave. And if I think like a slave, I'm going to act like a slave. I'm going to speak like a slave. And faith comes from hearing. So if I hear myself speaking like a slave, I'm going to believe I'm a slave. And yet I was called and chosen to be a son. An ear. To co-reign with him now through the power of the Spirit to see his kingdom established in us firstly and through us and then to literally be part of his kingdom literally in the millennium and then to spend your entirety in the future with him. But it's fully possible to spend your life on earth as a slave and you're no longer a slave. You see... A slave who is a son is immature. They don't understand they've been made righteous because they're still picking up stuff that God said, what are you picking up that stuff for? I've dealt with it. Why are you still being like a pig and wallowing in that stuff? Why are you like a dog going back to its own vomit and eating it all up again when I've dealt with it? But Lord, you, you haven't. Yes, I have. No, you can't have because I'm still doing it. And he says, well, I have. So why don't you get you off your sin which entangles you and put your eyes on me and start moving towards because I bought and paid for you before you ever were and you are my son whom I love and I want to show you and release in you so much. But while you're still thinking like a slave, acting like a slave, speaking like a slave, I'm having a bit of a problem getting this through. Because everything he says you are, you deny. I've heard this. You're this. No, I'm not. You're this. No, I'm not. I can't. That's impossible. Well, it might be with you, but with him all things are possible. It's because I want to remind you tonight that you're a son. But we struggle to understand we're righteous through him because we are so conditional. Anyone found that? Man is conditional. The flesh is conditional. If you do this, I get this. And his love is free. You know, that's why we struggle to receive it. You know, when we did the $10 giveaway, who was at the rock when we did that in the garages? 
Man, we had some fun, but man, I had issues and struggles trying to give $10 away to some people. White, middle-aged people. Don't want your charity. This one guy got really aggressive with me. Don't want your charity. 17, 18-year-old students, man, they wanted more. <laughs> Where are you guys from? That's an effing cool church, man. We're coming. Do you give, it, do you give effing money away every week? <laughs> they were going to go around the six garages. <laughs> That's right. But it was a struggle to give away $10. Why? Because it was free. And we're so conditional. Don't need your charity. Don't need this. I'm self-sufficient. And we can struggle. We can struggle to receive his love because maybe we were never shown love. Maybe our father never knew how to show us love. And so that gets in the way of receiving his love. But we need to allow ourselves to. We need to allow ourselves to. We must receive this truth through the power of the Holy Spirit, revelation, if we are to understand what it means to be righteous and become the demonstration of righteousness on the earth. So what does it mean to be righteous? What does it mean to belong to his family as you are? Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. He has perfected. Can you receive that tonight? That he, not you and me, he has perfected you and I through those who have been sanctified. Sanctified means to make holy. When I looked it up, I make holy God. So if you received him, if you've received him as your Lord and Savior, if you've received his blood, if you've by faith received him as your Lord and Savior, made a connection with him in your heart, believe it with your heart, you've been sanctified, you've been made perfect, righteous. But I do this, I do that, I do this. You're welcome to the club. There's a big club. And then there's the other club that tries to deny it all. Oh, that's not me. I don't do that. I just hide it and I play fake Christianity. We're all good. See, when you realize you've been made whole, when you realize you've been made free, you don't have to play that game. You don't care anymore. Because my, my identity is not in people. My identity is in him. I know he loves me. I know I'm righteous. So, yep. My behavior, which is being modified through the power of the Spirit, yep, but it's dealt with. It's done. Past, present, future. And I'm not saying we just take it casually, so I'm not saying you don't repent of stuff. Please hear me. I'm not saying you don't keep accounts. If you know you're doing things which are in an alignment, sure, repent of them, but it's not this big, long process. It's by faith. It's as quick as this. Lord, please forgive me. There's an absolute... Consciousness is a, there's a, you know, your spirit. I've, I've just messed up. Please forgive me. Thank you for receiving your grace again. Get on the horse and go again. If it's a true heart repentance, and you know that, don't you? Okay. So he's sanctified. He's made whole. What does it mean to be righteous? As justified and vindicated by God. Justified, vindicated by God. What was separating us no longer does. Nothing can separate you from the love of the Father. No sword, no peril. Nothing. So God has vindicated us if we believe by faith in him and have received him. He says, would you get on board with maturing through the power of my spirit and become a mature son and stop going back and wallowing back to repentance, back to this, back to the basics and move forward. Because there's so much that's dealt with. It means, these are my words, that by Jesus' death and life, we've been washed, cleansed, purified by his blood of our iniquity and sin. Our iniquity, our fallen nature, our sin to miss the mark no longer separates us from the Father. Our iniquity and sin no longer separates us from receiving the Father's love because the perfect sacrifice has eradicated the gap 
between God and man. Once again, we must receive a revealed posture or position on this truth. So I'm not saying we're going to have struggles, but through the power of his living word, Christ in us, we overcome. But those things don't hold us back. They're dealt with. We have to realize through revelation they're dealt with. Amen. That's what it means to be righteous. So the only way is up. The only way is forward. Don't turn around. Eyes on him. Listen to these scriptures. Hebrews 10, 17. And then their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. 2 Corinthians 5.19, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. See, it's hard to be committed a message if you don't really know the message yourself. If you're still struggling with being reconciled to God with your stuff because you haven't had a revealed position that you're already perfect, made righteous, very hard to be a good witness with the message you've been given. Can you see why maturing in him is so important? Growing through the power of the word, seeking him, asking, knocking on heaven's door, saying, Lord, fill me more and more and more with your food, with your son. Because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am water and I am shelter. The basic needs for humanity, he says, I am. Why are you worrying about those things when I am them? And if I'm in you more and more and more, you ain't going to worry about stuff. Why? Because you've become people of faith. There's one thing to live by. It's by faith. But not in our ability, in the Son of God. So let's start believing what the Son of God says through the power of his word, Revelation. Hebrews 9.28. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin, to those who eagerly await him. No reference The judgment seat is about reward for those who have lived by the will of the Father, grown up and matured and become people of righteousness. Paul says, the crown of righteousness that I'm moving towards. We're going to look at that, so I won't go there. But there's a crown for people who live this life out. Righteously. He's coming with no reference to sin to judge us for reward. And the judgment's going to be based around what has been produced in and through our lives, which is based around our maturity. Because once again, if we're sons but living like slaves, there's not a lot happening in that life, is there? Not a lot at all. Now think about that if you're a father, if you're married. And there's a responsibility that we must carry, guys. The world today, nobody wants to be responsible. Am I right? Nobody wants to own up and go, I'm going to carry some responsibility. Or I'm going to be responsible for my actions. It's fun. You guys will know having a nine and a six-year-old. Man, she did it. She did it. It was the dog. (laughs) Layla's just like. (laughs) You know, it's like backwards and forwards. Deflect the blame. No responsibility. But God says, I'm looking for sons who are going to be responsible. I'm looking for co-heirs. I'm looking for sons who I want to give responsibility too because I want them to minister I want them to allow me to be the Lord in their life in and through now and the future it's phenomenal 
In Romans 8, 29 and 30, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. I'm going to read that again. For those whom he foreknew, did he foreknow you? Okay, so we're talking to us. He also predestined to become. You've been predestined to become. Can you hear the standard that he's painting? You and I have been chosen, predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Why, Lord? Ask him. He'll tell you. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren, and these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he justified. These whom he justified, he also glorified. That's saying justified just as if you'd never sinned. So you're not an accident. Before you ever were, he foreknew you. He then called you for what? To be the best footballer on the planet? No. To be a pastor of a church? No. To be a business CEO? No. To get married? No. To have kids? No. To be a motorsport driver? No. To be a politician? No. To be conformed to the image of his son? I just thought I was little old Greg Simner that was born in Liverpool in 1969. Got into sales, find myself in a position that I didn't ask for. Stumbling through that, then I die. Got married, had some kids along the way, and that was it. Man, that would be a shame, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be the saddest day to realize that you were chosen before you were called for something far greater than that? Not on the physical and the spiritual realm and then partook of something in another dimension. I reckon Hollywood should make a movie about that. That would be a phenomenal movie. And we have to wrestle with him with one another in love for a reality, a dimension that exists for us, that we would come into it, not through our own ability, but through the power of himself, his word, his truth, that we would then be able to become the demonstration of Christ, the wisdom of God on the earth, which then is preparing us for a future reality receiving the fullness of that life now so this isn't an apprenticeship and he's looking and seeing who's serving their apprenticeship who's becoming the men the women the people that i've predestined them to become chosen before time and he looks as I said, there is no gap or ravine between God and man. Hebrews 4.16 teaches us to come boldly before the throne of grace. Ephesians 2.8 teaches us that we've been saved by grace through faith, not by our works. There's that word faith again. Pops up everywhere. We must seek God for this living position of being made righteous in his eyes. Our minds must be renewed to this living truth if it is to have the impact on our lives. Let's settle this issue once and for all that we are righteous and let's seek him with all we have for more. This revealed position in Christ and this faith that we are to live by. I'm just going to ask us to stand while I do. I just want to pray for us, guys. And then we've called it a night. Father, I thank you that if we've made that bold commitment 
and made you our Lord and Savior by faith. That, Lord, we are washed by your love and by what you did. Not through our ability to change us, not through our ability to find you. You are never lost. You have found us and you have drawn us to yourselves. You knew when we would be present on this earth. You knew when we, you would draw us to yourself. And we are not an accident. And we have been all called for a purpose which is yours in this specific time frame in history. And I pray none of us would fall short of the fullness of what we have been called for, Father. And I pray, Lord, as you have aligned us as a family, your family, for this particular purpose and time in history, Lord, as men, we stand before you, Father, knowing you are a good, good Father. And you will do what you do to get us to where we need to be at. You will allow us to go through things so we will arrive at the position we need to arrive at. And you look and you ask and you desire for us as your sons to be mature. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal such a deep measure how righteous we are in you I pray father that we would know we belong to you and to one another I pray God that you would reveal in our hearts and our minds that we belong to you chosen by you and I pray God as we discuss you i pray you continue to reveal and i just pray we have fun tonight as we watch the movie lord i pray that our affection our devotion will be on you and that you reveal more of yourself in us i pray for the bond of spirit the unity to be stronger than what it was when we all came together tonight we ask this in jesus name amen amen